During the whole making of X-Men and the casting of X-Men, I was there in the production office. Remember, you don't need to scream for help when Banshees are around Was it supposed to be Jean or was it supposed to be Madeline? I drew that image and a deliberate hint at things to come. What makes Marvel Legends so special? Just the partnership with Marvel, you know, continuing to work with Jesse Falcon. This is your special guest host, Mr. Sinister. <laughs> you would never put Storm in a ponytail. That would be well, weird. You could, but that would be weird. <laughs> but giving it to Jean kind of made her the girl next door that everybody could talk to. When I met Stan, he was very gracious and 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 very kind. This is the Power of X Men podcast. I am your host, Dayspring. Hope you survive the experience, Michelle. <laughs> I have a little bit of a surprise for you, and it's here. This is someone you've mentioned. I'm going to hit admit. We're going to have a little special guest join. Okay. This is someone you've told me about, and they were on Generation X before, and it's Larry Houston! (gasps) Oh my gosh, it's Larry! Hi! (laughs) I can't believe we pulled this off! Oh my god! How you doing, Michelle? I'm good, Larry. How are you? I'm doing fine, a little, you know, forgot to say, but I'm doing good. Oh, you, you look good. You look great. <laughs> Larry, I was telling Michelle, I was like, so we have a little bit of a guest here right now. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> because when we, on the podcast I was on previously, Generations of X, you came on, your episode did so well, so well. And Michelle reached out and was like, oh, I know Larry, you know, from, from the comic book store uh, that yeah. you guys both go to and so when i was planning this episode i normally have a listener question section but i yeah. was like we have to bring larry onto the power <laughs> max and so thank you so much for joining larry oh oh i'd love to be here you know she's been a uh, an excellent jean gray and a whole bunch of other cosplay characters oh thank you wait when <laughs> so what's the name of the comic book store you both met at what is it? I, it's not there anymore. But what was it's, it called, Michelle? It was called Infinity Comics, uh-huh. but it was previously Dream World. Was sold to somebody else, became Infinity, and then was oh, right. back to Dream World. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think uh, it uh, Jay opened up another store, but in Ventura County. Ventura. Mm-hmm. Ventura City of Ventura. Yeah. In the mall. So- so did you guys just kiki every week talking about like <laughs> <laughs> like comics? Like so you're Michelle, you are talking to the series director. And I'm sorry, Larry, I did not give you a proper introduction because I was just so excited. I'm sorry. Listeners, Larry Houston was the series director for the X-Men animated series. And he was also co-director of Pride of the X-Men. And we have episodes with him on Generations of X that's still available. They're listed as season one of Power of X-Men. So go check out those two episodes with Larry Houston. He is such a wonderful guest. And he answered all of our questions about Jean Grey and Dazzler and, and so much more. <laughs> all of those guys. Yeah, it was a fun time. That was, a, um, out of all the shows I've worked on, that was probably the most the most I had the most fun on that series because I was able to control almost everything about it and try and put put on a show that I wanted to see as a as a as a fanboy. 
And so that's what I did. I liked all of the cameos that you would sneak in there. That's probably my favorite. Yeah. yeah. That was uh, when I was, that, that's from something when I was a kid and I used to read um, the comic books in the 60s and, and, and Stan Lee would slip in in Spider-Man, he had one panel of Thor, might have one panel of Daredevil or something. And then he'd have a, he was basically connecting, a, he was creating a connected universe, but he was basically, he was just marketing. He wanted people to buy Tales to Suspense in addition to everybody else because uh, DC Comics, which was known as National Periodic Publication, controlled the, the uh, distribution of Marvel. So they only let Marvel put out like eight or eight titles. So in order to create the, uh, in order to promote the shows, he would put characters in different books and say, you know, go buy this book, go buy that book. And for me, that was real exciting because at the time in the 60s, I was like, wow, there's a connected universe with a character me. So fast forward to when I did the X-Men, I wanted to try and infuse that type of uh, fan enthusiasm into the show by adding, you know, cameos here or there, or Easter eggs, as they call it. But my own um, my rule I gave to myself is that I'd only add Adam if it didn't interfere with the original story. So as long as it didn't interfere with the story, I put him into the show. Well, we love that lodge that had all of the X Men character, excuse me, Marvel characters there, like from Mary Jane to Doctor Strange. I was watching an episode of Fantastic Four. Because you eventually went to go work oh. on them. And I noticed Storm, yeah. and I'm forgetting her surrogate son's name, but you had like mini versions, like children versions of them in the background. Yes. I, when I went, when I, when I, Marvel hired, uh, hired me away from X-Men to do Fantastic Four. And so in the Fantastic Four, I was able to sneak in uh, cameos from the X-Men into the series. And so you'd see, um, I think Johnny Storm and someone else on one of their flying bikes. And then you see people in the audience and it's the X-Men on top of the uh, Empire State Building going, you know, just looking. Oh, yeah. And if you're just a regular person, it just looks like, looks like people in a crowd. But if you're, if you're shot by it, you know that, oh, that's Wolverine, there's Cyclops, there's Gene, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I kind of had fun with that. Well, I mean, even till this day, I mean, people are discovering the cameos. And Larry, when you confirmed that was Madeline in Cable's head that Gene read, I'm telling you, I, I don't know if you saw that everywhere. I think the internet, the X-Men internet blew up. Like that was <laughs> like even like still discovering little like nuggets like that. I'm, I was surprised that you found it. I, that's like little, little things I hid, hid, hid here and there and you found it. I've been thinking about that since I was 12 years old. <laughs> I did not find it. I've been thinking about it since I was 12 years old. You know, Michelle and I were talking about the X-Men animated series and how her and her brothers, like when it came up on Saturday mornings, would be jumping around and having a fun time. <laughs> Michelle, I didn't ask you this. Was there a particular episode that just like stands out for you? For sure. The, the Phoenix and Dark Phoenix saga. That... Oh, that's probably like my favorite. I mean, obviously, because it's about Gene, but it was just done like so well. And it was like my introduction to like the Phoenix Force and uh, the Dark Phoenix and 
all that chaos that came with it. It was, yeah. it was fun. It was fun. I, I think one of the things we, I'm that, I mean, I realize it now, but I think um, when we did the Phoenix and Dark Phoenix, I think we, we were like, uh, not proving the fact, but, you know, like right now they're doing WandaVision and, you know, Falcon and, and the Winter Soldier. And it's showing that you, in order to show like these stories, you, you can't just do one movie. If you That's do right. it over a series of episodes, you can build to, to a dramatic point and, you know, follow the canon of the books at the same time. And so I, I think that's one of the faults that Fox did when they tried to do the Phoenix on, in the film is that they didn't set it up. Whereas like Kevin Feige and all of his films, you know, they planted seeds of the Infinity Stones here and there, here and there, and built up to, to that final move, two movies. And so I think um, with Phoenix and Dark Phoenix, we had the, the advantage of like building up to Jean and, and creating her as, as a cosmic entity and then doing the Dark Phoenix afterwards. Now that you've set it up, guess what? Here's part two. <laughs> <laughs> They're like little mini series almost. Like you want them to tune in like every Saturday to find out like what happened next. Yes. It was, it was broken up and paced really well. Yeah. I'm and sorry. My, my yeah. eyes are spinning right now, Larry, because <laughs> that's exactly what I've said over and over again about the Fox Phoenix saga, because people are like, Oh, why didn't work out? I guess you can't make the Phoenix work for the big screen. Oh no, you absolutely can make it work for the big screen. You just need to let that story marinate. You need to build up to it. You can't rush the Phoenix saga. You need to establish Jean on the team, her relationship with other team members, right? Because one of the best things of the dark Phoenix saga is when storm says she is someone I'd love as a sister. And we right. felt that for two seasons, two, three seasons already. And then you go into the Phoenix saga and then you do dark Phoenix saga. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, right. what, how hard is it? Larry, can you please, <laughs> oh, can Kevin Feige like hire you already, please? <laughs> I, Wait. You know, I, 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 I think we've, we've set this template and now that, you know, Kevin, Kevin and them are doing the same thing with the WandaVision and, and stuff there. Now they're seeing in order to get, to, to milk, to, I won't say milk, but to, in order to uh, express the best part of their stories, their mythology, you got to do miniseries. You know, that's the best thing for those, the stories that are in the books. Wait, Michelle, have you seen WandaVision? Yes. Okay. Okay. Larry, have you been watching WandaVision? Oh yeah, I watched it. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts on WandaVision? Tell the internet, please tell the internet what, with the series director of the X-Men, please tell us your take on WandaVision. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, I, I tell you, when I was watching it every week, you know, um, you know, you, you'd see people on Facebook, oh, I don't like it. Oh, what are they doing? And they, they would react to like a section of it. And I keep telling them, look, this is like 10, this is a, a big, big story. So, don't react to the small parts. Wait till you get to the end and see where they're going. Because when they when they got to the end, they've really set up, I think, uh, th- this next round of film um, quite well. You know, and Wanda's like, now she's set up to be like a major, major character. You know, and she got the name, you know, Scarlet Witch. You are the Scarlet Witch. And now she's not just Wanda. Now she's, she's up there with Doctor Strange and the rest of them. And I enjoyed it thoroughly, you know. So 
I, 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 I was surprised. I, I enjoyed, I was surprised how um, they really pulled me in by doing something very unconventional by doing the old 50 stuff, 60 stuff, 70 stuff. And, and I was constantly watching, looking, looking at all the little clues and stuff going, Hmm, I wonder what that is. Okay. Let's see. You know, you're trying to see where they're going. And the, um, you know, when they did the Quicksilver thing, I was going, oh, crap, what are they doing here? But, you know, that was a fake out that they, they gave the fans, which I really, eh, I didn't really enjoy, but okay, I see, I, I know why they did it. And so, um, you know, so, but everything else is great. I enjoyed it. And uh, she's now a hero villain at the same time. I was I was disappointed with Quicksilver. I'm going to be one of those people who are just going to like, I, here's the thing. It's just because it's been hinted at that WandaVision is the first chapter in a multiverse saga, right? And we have the rumors that um, Tom Holland is going to be joined by Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. So you think, okay, they're going to do a multiverse. And then obviously Doctor Strange is multiverse of madness. Right. You're going to have an actor, Evan Peters, who played one of the most iconic characters that translated on screen because Quicksilver, that sequence in Days of Future Past, like I feel like everyone saw that. Even if you didn't Mm -hmm. see the movie, you've seen that. I I did feel a little like ripped by that, but I understand. I get it. I understand. But I was still, that's the only thing about WandaVision that for me is a little bit of like a sucker punch. Everything else I loved. Yes, I agree with that. It was kind of like, it was disappointing, but it's like, oh, did they really have to do that? Yeah. But, you know, but it's like, um, you, maybe they'll do something with it in some subsequent film. I don't know. Maybe uh, you, We just have to see where they're going to go with it because I, unless you do the multiverse, I can't see them pulling the X-Men into the universe they have now. That's the only way to, you know, Wanda rewriting reality or pulling the, another reality into, the, you know, I... I don't know where they're going with it. You know, I wish Kevin would tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're going to be wishing on Kevin, you know, doing things, I, I, I wish Kevin will hire you and the Leewalds back to do an X-Men animated part two or like movies based off yes. of that series. I concur. We would love to do it. I mean, we try, we're on Facebook, Twitter. We're telling the fans, you guys are the ones that can make it happen because you guys got to get out there and, and uh, a tweet. And we gotta, Kevin and, and to Disney Plus and let them know that, you know, we're here. We, you know, there's, there's a brown swell of fans who want to see at least another, you know, at least maybe a, not a whole series, but maybe maybe a made, you know, a movie or something just to That's move it forward, you know. You know, the Warner Brothers um, with my friend Bruce Tim, they do a lot of little, you know, little movies for like Superman, Batman and stuff like that. It's like, we could do that too, you know. Well, let's, and, uh, let's do a Generation you know, X animated movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, Larry, we talked about this, but I'm I'm not remembering what the final answer was. There was a rumor Generation X animated series for lo- the longest time, and it's still like it, it, it was announced at like pilots, you know, where uh, upfronts. Excuse me. Do you remember anything from that? Do you know any? I think you said you did, but then I didn't. I didn't even ask a follow up question to it. I, I at the time I remember people talking about it. That 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 was like the extent of that I've heard. But I never. There was never any uh, serious follow through. But there was talk. Blah 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 blah. You know, with the big with the higher ups. 
So why would they, I'm curious from an industry standpoint, not, it doesn't necessarily have to be Generation X specific, but why would people who are just talking about a series then mention it in the upfronts? Like, did, did that mean anything? Was that any, does that mean anything significant in, in, in the industry? Or was it just like, oh, we need to fill in space, so we'll just put this in here? Well, part of it is trying to, is trying to garner um, enthusiasm and interest to see how, how the uh, people they're trying to sell it to are, are going to be, you know, oh, yeah, I want to, you know, how, they, they want, how, many, how many people want it and want to see it. And so that that's part, is part of a, you know, marketing ploy sort of speak to try and, uh, you know, try and get people interested. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what we did with Pride of the X-Men. We, we did a pilot with nobody asked for. We tried to show them here, here's the X-Men, you know, here's what it could be. And uh, nothing, <laughs> no interest, you know, we, we did our best, but it didn't, it didn't happen then. Michelle, you've yeah. obviously seen Pride of the X-Men. <laughs> what were your feels on it? I I liked it. I mean, I would have if that had gone to production, I would have kept watching. Um, I know they made the video game from that, and right. that was. I mean, I thought it was a really popular video game, and I would have loved to see more of this particular X Men team, especially since Dazzler was on it. <laughs> yeah, she has a lot of good Dazzlers, and um, my other the other show I directed was um, um, Scarlet. She's done some good. Oh, stuff. yeah. Yes. G.I. Joe. From so, G.I. Joe. I was a director <laughs> from G.I. Joe also. She's done, she, I just saw her Scarlet recently. So you guys were meet talking at the comic book store weekly. When did you, Larry, when did you find out that Michelle was a cosplayer? And not just a cosplayer, like a really great <laughs> cosplayer. Well, um, she never dressed. Did you ever, I don't think you ever dressed at work, did you? I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't dress up at work. It was too slow, like right. being cosplay. <laughs> I found out about her cosplay uh, when I finally joined um, Instagram. Because for a long time, I had no idea what the hell is an Instagram. What's that? But when I finally signed on to it, then I saw, oh yeah, look at this. And there's a lot of pictures and people posting stuff, and it's like, oh, okay. You know, a lot. Of, my son introduced me to it. So I, I wasn't into it. I. It's like Twitter. It's like what I'm gonna. T- Tweet about what's the, what 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 the heck is on Twitter? Tweet your feelings. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my, I I'm, I'm now you know on both platforms. But yeah, I, I didn't know she did cosplay until I saw her. I went, oh wow, look at that. Hey, look at Jean Grey. You know, here's Dazzler. Wow, that's she's doing great. Her and her husband, uh, uh, I think it does Shadow Star, right? Shatter. Yeah. <laughs> he does, yeah. He does Shatter Star. That's his um. That's his most popular. Yeah. And yeah. Rec- <laughs> Um, from me, <laughs> from me, <laughs> to be very clear. Um, Michelle, you're talking comics weekly with the man that gave us our childhood. <laughs> I know. Like, what was that like? And did you know who he was when he walked in that first time? That first time? I, not, for, not the first time. I think the owner, Danny, was working with me and introduced us formally and mentioned like, oh yeah, Larry was the producer on X-Men the Animated Series. And I just was like, what? I love that show. Like that. <laughs> I grew up watching that. It was so good. Yeah. So yeah, when I 
So right. when we, we were talking to each other, it was kind of like casual, like we're doing right now. We yeah. talk about what's going on, what's, what, what are the new books and, and what's going on and, you know, that kind of thing. It's very casual every week, you know, because I was there every Wednesday. And where, remind me, I know where you're at, Michelle. Was this outside of LA? Like the, like just a couple minutes outside of LA, the comic book store? Is that where you're at too, Larry? Is that where you guys are all? I'm, I'm from New York. I'm in New York. So I'm just like, oh. whatever's going on <laughs> on that side. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I live in a city called Moore Park, but the store was in Simi Valley. Mm-hmm. And so from my house, it's about maybe 10, 15 minutes away. So I would go there and get the books and stuff every every wednesday and uh it was fun you know he up new books there and talk to jay talk to michelle and um yeah it was it's normal yeah i love that so i have two questions for you guys um both that deal with your specialties and your history with the x-men and we're gonna kick it off with you michelle is there a cosplay? Which, by the way, Larry, do you see that she has a Generation X costume that she made specifically for this episode? Because <laughs> we were, yeah, now, because yeah. we were talking about Generation X before you crashed our party. <laughs> so, Michelle, my question for you is: Is there a cosplay you've wanted to do that you haven't done yet? Well, this was definitely one for sure: the Generation X suit. But I do have have a dream build. It's not Marvel related. I would love to do a Master Chief Halo armor. <laughs> oh, that wow. would be boss! Yeah, that's that sounds very adventurous. That's, that's yeah. very elaborate. Yeah, it. I feel like that would take me a year, if not longer, to build. Yeah, that's yeah. The dream. Are you? Do you know Nerd Alert? Do you know Jason? I know. I follow him. We follow each other on Instagram, but I have not met him in person. He does insane builds. Larry, have you seen this guy named Jason Aluccino, who's called Nerd Alert? And he does these massive like cosplay builds. Like he was Onslaught, Omega Red, Mr. Sinister. But like, mm-hmm. like he, let me see if I can pull up a photo really quickly. He like goes to town on those. And it takes, it's exactly what Michelle just said, which is, it takes forever to make them. Let's yeah. see, can you see that? Oh wow! Yes, I do. He's remember really good. That. Yeah, he's very good. He's yeah. very good. I saw that one. That's, that's, I, I sent it to the app voice actor who does send us. I said, "Look at this!" I sent it to him. <laughs> that's and, insane. He is yeah. gonna go. Jason is gonna freak now. I'm literally <laughs> cutting this part of the interview and sending it to him once we're done. Yeah. Um, Chris, uh, Chris Britton was very impressed with it. That's that's Mr. Sinister. Oh, he needs no introduction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I love Shard in Beyond Good and Evil, where she says, "You're Mr. Sinister," and he's here like, "And who are you?" Like, <laughs> like that scene. And when Shard is like a friend of Charles Xavier, she does a backflip. Larry, right. that was my childhood right there. Like, that's everything <laughs> I loved of the X Men in like two seconds. Oh, Larry, my question for you. Was there a story with the X-Men that you always wanted to do, but didn't have the chance to do? Uh, not, a, not a story, but I think a um, character moment where um, a, a, a story where we could have shown 
Cyclops uniting with Havoc and, and finding out that they're brothers. Because we never got a chance to um, put those characters together. I mean, Cyclops found out about his father, but not that his younger brother survived the uh, jumping out of the airplane. And so uniting those two characters would be would have been a little sub it's not a story but like a subplot that would be nice to add to a, a larger uh, a story like that would be like a subplot that you could work a, a b storyline and so that's the one thing we never I, I felt sorry we never got a chance to do i i, I am I, sorry I, that you did not have a chance to do that because obviously you guys alluded to that quite a bit yeah. you know especially when they met x factor and they're fighting and, you know, their powers cancel out. And then Cyclops is like, what gives? And Havoc's like, huh? And they're looking, yeah. It's like, we, we, Michelle, you know, Demanda likes to call them himbos. Like yes. they, 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 the male equivalent of a bimbo is a himbo. And it's like, well, your powers don't work on each other and you're both orphans. Right. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. you know, but it was, that was such a great moment. Um, okay, my next round of question for both of you. I'm going to start with you, Larry. Larry, you literally also blew up our internet and our Twitter when we talked about how you were the first African-American storyboard artist hired for a Saturday morning cartoon, which that's absolutely incredible. Um, what was the path like for you? When did you, as a little Larry, were like, I want to work in animation what was that path like it was a, it was a very long path for me because i when i got up when i got out of high, high school you know my goal was to work for marvel comics in new york mm -hmm. and my mother i'm paraphrasing but my mom said you know drawing's nice but you need to get a real job so when i got out of high school for about seven years i fixed computers for a living i didn't draw but i was uh kind of self-publishing on the side, doing my own little fanzines. And somewhere in the mid, uh, well, about the, about the beginning of the 80s or 81, that's when I had friends that were working at Disney. I got friends that were working at Hanna-Barbera. And I wanted to see if I could make it as an artist. So I, I, I this is backwards. I told my job in computers, I'm quitting and I, in six months. I quit in six months. Then I went looking for a job in animation, which is as backwards. You don't do that. <laughs> but that's what I did. I was trying to jump off the, trying to jump into the deep end of the pool without a, I didn't want to go backwards. And so Filmation was the company that was hiring uh, people for working on their stuff. And they wanted layout artists. So I said, okay, let me try out for a layout artist. Um, took that test twice. Failed it twice. My artwork wasn't strong enough back in back in those days. But the direct the layout director saw my portfolio, and I had drawn all of these comic books myself, my own fanzines that I did a long time ago. And he said, "You're probably better to be a storyboard artist." In the back of my head, I'm going, "What the hell is that?" I had no idea what it was. But they took me upstairs, introduced me to the supervisor of storyboards. He gave me a test. I brought it back the next day. It didn't seem to be that hard. Um, and what I didn't realize was that it was a live script being given to everybody on that floor. He liked it so much. He actually took the work and put it into the show. And then I got hired on the same day. And that's how I got into animation. 
And what I didn't realize was that I didn't realize this until what, 10, 15 years later that um, my, my friend who works over at uh, Disney, we were, ha- ha- we're out at lunch. Um, I'm trying to remember his name now. I, I, it'll come to me in a second. Um, he said, you know, you, glow, you broke a glass ceiling. And I went, what, what are you talking about? And I uh, said, there was never really a black storyboard artist in animation, um, you know, hired for that position. Like there've been other artists that have done storyboards, but never hired for that job. And I was the first one hired officially to be a storyboard artist. And that's, that's what happened. And that's how I got into animation. From that point, I was at Filmation for a couple of years. And then I got hired by Stanley to work on Spider-Man. And then it just kept going from there. I worked at uh, Marvel Productions for about another 10 years from that point forward. That's where my career went. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> but what I love about that story is that you took a gamble on your dream. Yeah. And oh, the guy's name was uh, Floyd Norman. He's like, he was the first black animator. He was working on um, uh, Jungle Book. He's one of the animators. And he's oh, one who told me that. Go Floyd. Um, yeah. But what I, you know, retrospect, I know now. If back then, if I had just cold called the uh, storyboard supervisor for a test, I probably would have gotten nowhere. Yeah. But because the layout supervisor introduced me to the to the storyboard supervisor, that was my introduction. Okay, and now I had to prove myself. And so luckily, I had the I had the storytelling talent to do the job, turn it in, and turn it in quickly. So those two things, it was something he could use. And um, I had the talent to, to storyboard, with, and so that's how I got the job. That's incredible. I mean, I can't thank you for quitting your job in computers because I can't imagine. <laughs> Michelle, can you imagine a world where we didn't have the X Men animated series from his perspective? That's not a world I want to live in. Or Pride of the X-Men. I know Pride of the X-Men has, you know, at the time did not get the reception it deserved. I'm, I'm with what Michelle said. I thought it was really popular because I had the VHS. I played yeah. the video game. Those characters for me were just a hallmark. Yeah. The, what myself, uh, Will Minio, uh, Rick Holberg, the three of us were all fanboys. And so we're, we were behind the Pride of the X-Men to get that done. Um, Creatively, we had a lot of compromises we had to deal with because we weren't, we weren't totally in charge. And that's why Wolverine had a you know, strange accent. And that's why our first choice of bad guys was the Sentinels. But the people behind who are above us wanted a, a, you know, wanted a, a bunch of villains. And that's why we got Magneto, we got uh, the White Queen, we got the, you know, we got all those bad guys. Um, so, our experience on the, the Pride, when fast forward about oh maybe six years, when we got a chance to do the X Men, people similar to that tried to change it into something we didn't want to do, and um, we would do the political dance. Hey, that's a great idea. And, oh yeah, we'll think about you know we tried to do that dance to a point where when they were telling us to do it to make changes, to make it more like Scooby-Doo. And um, collectively, it was like five of us who said, well, we're, we're obviously not the right 
creative team you're looking for. So all five of us are going to quit. And it made them back off. And uh, so we got to do the version we wanted to do, I wanted to do. But they really thought, you know, back then, um, it was either Scooby-Doo or Super Friends. In their minds, that's success. That's a successful show. And that's not what we wanted to do. So they let me alone. You know, they thought we were going to be one and done, in and out. And uh, I just said, fine, you know, I'm going to... If I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory, I'm going to put together a show that I wanted to see as a cut, as a as a as a viewer, as a as a lover of comic books, and um, you know something I, I'd be proud to have my name on. So that's where all of that came from, the uh, cameos and everything else. I just wanted to be something I could, you know, if I could make the little kid in me when I'm working on the show, if I'm drawing or directing something, and it makes the little kid in me excited then maybe it'll translate to the viewer outside, you know, who watch, who's watching it, you know, like, like Michelle and everybody else. And, and you, you know, you guys supported the show because there was no, you got to remember, there was no guarantee of season two. You know, we had season one. I, I, I did everything I could, kitchen sink. And we all had our resumes out. We were getting ready to go find other work until they said, hold on, you know, you got a season two. So we were like, all right. You know, um, but um, they would only give us, well, season one, okay, we'll, we'll give you season two. We'll only give you 13. Let's see how you do with these. And then when that was successful, well, we'll give you another 13. You know, we we always wanted to get maybe a two-year commitment, like 26 episodes, so that we could really plot out a whole bunch of stories and, and subplots, and we could include a lot more of uh, the mythology to the show, but we only had, we could only plot 13 uh, episode arcs. And so that's, that was, you know, like season one, you know, season two, I think is Sinister, season three. Um, I, I can't even remember what they are, but basically that's, and then we get into the, you know, the Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, stuff like that. We had arcs that we could plan for. But uh, uh, yeah, no, it's the series just made our childhood and speaking of shows and a celebration of fandom, Michelle, you were on Marvel's Becoming. Oh yeah, I was. What, tell us about that. I'm curious, like how did you, how did you get on there? And it was for your Jean Grey. <laughs> what? The, the best X-Man. In all of the universe. She is yes. the god queen of the X-Men. I'm putting yes. it out there. Yes, she is. Yes. There, Larry Houston himself. <laughs> <laughs> but Michelle, how did you tell us about Marvel's Becoming? From in, in from the, the second they asked you to be on how they contacted you to filming and then watching it at home. It was it was a series of four or what is it, like the serendipitous uh, events that happened. I went to San Diego Comic-Con. I think it was my first one. Um, cosplayed as, as Jean Grey. Uh, I mentioned I was going. And this one cosplayer, Brett E of the Brothers Yee cosplay, reached out to me and said, hey, I see that you're an X-Men cosplayer. 
we're doing this like X-Men meetup over at the Marvel booth at this time. If, if you want to come by, just like, just come by, take some pictures and it'll, it'll be fun. And so I said, Oh, okay. I will um, make my way, make my way over there, which I did. And Marvel Becoming was actually doing an episode on Brett and his Sentinel cosplay, which if you've seen it, it's amazeballs. Like, oh my gosh, it's so, it's so gorgeous, so detailed. And I just started talking to him. Like I introduced myself. I said, oh, hey, I'm Michelle. You know, we met on Instagram and he couldn't really talk through his, his mask. So we kind of just were like hand gesturing. And I'm like, can I just get a photo with you? And <laughs> so I have this really crappy photo. I think it's in my Instagram. I have like the, the red flash eyes and everything, but I was just so happy to get a picture with his cosplay. And then I don't know if it was Brett or the producer, Judy, who said, hey, we're going to do like a thing on stage if you want to come up and like, you know, just show off your cosplay. Like we're just looking for some Marvel cosplayers. So mm-hmm. did that. And right afterwards, um, it was a hot mess trying to get out of there. So I'm just waiting for the crowds to clear. And Judy asked if I want to do uh, an interview for Brett's cosplay. Like they just asked me a few questions. Um, I talk about, I think they use the cut where I mentioned having the Sentinel toy as a kid, the, the toy biz one. And they put that into his episode. And then they also had filmed a few other cutscenes with myself in there. And it's all in, in Brent's um, Sentinel Marvel Becoming episode. And like a few months later, Judy reaches out via Instagram and she says, hey, you remember your Jean Grey cosplay from a previous episode of Marvel Becoming? Do you want to do one? We're going to do the like 80th anniversary featuring the Jim Lee covers. Like we're looking for nineties X-Men basically. I'm like, yeah, I would love to. (laughs) And she asks, we we talk on the phone. We set up an appointment and talk on the phone. She asked me for a few other cosplayers. If I know any, I literally just did an X-Men meetup with a good friend of mine. um, Jack's of Jack's cosplay slash Ebony Sabre. And I was like, yeah, I just met some great like 90s X-Men cosplayers. And so I gave her a list. I gave her um, Jax, of course, who does Magneto. Um, Irene, cosplay counselor, does Psylocke. Uh, and then uh, Kalana, Susie Chan cosplay, does a rogue. And I gave them a suggestion for Cyclops, but that Cyclops turned it down. And um, we all like met up beforehand and it, she had asked me if I was going to do any like, like new pieces to my Jean Grey cosplay. And I'm like, I wasn't planning on it, but then it got me thinking like, well, maybe I should. Was that a hint? <laughs> well, I don't know if it was a hint, but like, you know, it, it could be better. Like I could, I, so I hit on my mom. I said, mom, look, Marvel wants to do this thing on the Jean Grey cosplay. You made me, I'm like, can we make, it bigger can I do bigger shoulder pads bigger bracers um how about some real big like gold thigh pads and she's like yes yes we can do all of this and yeah it it had me like it was like the push I needed to upgrade my cosplay and so then we all met on the sound stage uh did our interviews and then we filmed like a good portion at WonderCon 2019 
I believe it was like on a Friday. Like we got up real early, met, and we just like we just filmed everything. Every interaction we had with fans, we were like right after we're like sign this release and go over there and sign that release. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. The fans liked it. Everyone loves '90s X Men, and the episode came out quite a few months later. But it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I met our Cyclops in the group, uh, Michael of Perpetual Midnight Cosplay, like the day of. And he was so sweet. His wife and his kids were there, too. Like we were all like together. So we all had like our handlers. I think his wife was dressed as Captain Marvel and he had uh, his two kids were with him, too. I think they were dressed up. I can't remember. But um, like my husband was carrying my bag. Irene had a couple handlers herself. Uh, Kalana had her boyfriend there dressed as Gambit. And we did another big like Marvel meetup. And there were so many people that came out. It was, oh my God, it was so great. There's a picture somewhere on all of our Instagram of everyone that came to that. And it was, oh my God, it was just so much like energy. And oh, this is like the ultimate like X-Men meetup and then that just kind of set the precedence for all the the future meetups that we went to and it was it was a lot of fun like I don't even think I'm explaining everything like all the process that we went through but you are it's so (laughs) first of all I miss cons so much and I wanted to ask both of you guys your favorite con experience and Larry, I'll kick it off with you. Do you have a particular con experience that you're like, that was such a great con. Maybe you met a great cosplayer. Maybe it was just a really great fan or maybe it was just good vibes. I, I can, I, I, there, I have a lot of stories like that, but before I do that, uh, Michelle, was that what, the, the last time we were at a library, was that your mom dressed in cosplay that I met? <laughs> yeah, that was my mom. She was, yeah. She's Lisa Waffle at Mother Moon Creations. So, you know, plugging that in there. Uh, yes. She was dressed as Maleficent. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I remember that because, you know, when she, we were talking, we were exchanging uh, texts or something, and she mentioned about the library. So then, based upon what she said, I called up the library and said, hey, can I jump? Can I be a part of this? And they said, sure. So that's when I went down and I was part of the, the group at this library and uh, met her mom was had this really nice outfit you know it's like wow i didn't know she was your cosplay partner she was helping <laughs> herself too i got it from mama that's for sure <laughs> you guys are like real friends <laughs> i thought i thought you guys knew each other but you guys you guys have mama like in common here like yeah oh i love it it's like in the town right right next to me and yeah Larry came out to Camarillo Library's uh, cosplay event and when I saw his name on the like the flyer I'm like dang Camarillo Library like they're going big (laughs) that's I don't think I don't know if they realize that or not but you were like a headliner I I was really happy that I was able to attend and and be there with you You that was a lot of fun it was fun yeah um, back to your question, though, the, um, the, the moments I can remember at, at some of these conventions where the, the nice ones are like meeting up with fans who um, the show was a, a good part of their childhood. 
and I've had testimonials from several kids who come up that maybe they were being uh, bullied or maybe they were being treated differently because they were gay or something like that. And by watching the show, they were, they were getting the information that it's okay to be different. It's okay to be who you are. And I really think it, it gave the, the, the message in the show gave kids enough uh, the, 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 the words or the, the, you know, the, the thinking that helped them get past a certain point of being insecure to being a little bit more secure, knowing that it's okay to be who you are. Um, and so I've had several moments like that where in different conventions where that was very satisfying to know that the show actually was a good part of their childhood and it actually helped them to do something. It wasn't just entertaining. It actually helped some kids in, in certain situations. Well, you said something in the previous interview that has stuck with me, which is you guys did not write down to kids. You wrote right. up to kids. And yeah, as, as someone who grew up gay, bullied, I always knew that there was a place like Xavier's in my head and I can go there and you can be accepted. And you started laying that foundation, not only for LGBTQIA plus like uh, issues, but just otherness in general. And I had such a head start when talking about discrimination than, than most of the kids my age because of your show and because of the themes, because I was paying attention and like Michelle, right. Literally, not only am I enjoying it, jumping up and down, but we're also digesting those lines because we're repeating those lines, A. But B, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I remember thinking, like watching over and over again in the intro, and I, I couldn't understand what was happening, but it, for whatever reason, it, it, it grabbed my curiosity. Jubilee running, grabbing onto the gate and a mob behind her. Basically, yeah. They wanted to kill her. Yes. She's yeah. a 14 year old girl, <laughs> 13. I'm sorry, whatever, however old Jubilee was. That's in a Saturday morning cartoon for a kid. It, it's not, it's not a grotesque image in, in, in the, in that it was disturbing. It was, oh, there are bad people out there. That is what someone truly evil would do to a yeah. child who is not harmful. She's just different. Yeah. We, we, uh, that was what, what you're describing is like um, the people who thought we were doing we were doing it wrong that we needed to write down the kids. We need to write it down to the level of super friends and we wanted to go up and write something that would challenge kids and then you wouldn't talk down to them, you know, and, and have do it in a you know, create stories that they could digest in an easy way, but it wasn't like we were being like pounding them over the head or something. It was like, it was like entertaining them and educating them at the same time in a way that was uh, enjoyable, you know, that kind of way. Well, and you succeeded. And I know, Michelle, I mean, like our childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was really, we were really proud to have a lot of uh, really powerful women in our, our, show because in a lot of shows you see there's like all these superheroes and one wonder woman you know yeah. that's it you know <laughs> like in our show we have you know it's almost equal i think the storm rogue um uh, jubilee you know um you know we we showed that there were a lot more powerful women jean gray you know every, every you know there she is you know everybody <laughs> i was waiting I was... 
We were waiting. I was like, Larry, say cheese. Say cheese. If not eject, eject. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting old. I'm trying to remember all the names. Even, like, even the villains. Like, there were some really powerful, like, female villains. Like, they were, they were baddies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You had Mystique. You had uh, Emma Frost. I don't know if Lalandra's really bad. She was kind of like, she just brought some badness with her. Right. <laughs> Why don't you well, try to a, kill our god queen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there was there was one episode, I think it was the origin of Gambit, where they had a character mm-hmm. called the External. And um I I my I tried to call uh, Marvel back east and say, Well, who is this? And they had nothing. I'm going, I gotta get a script out now. You know, you guys gotta if there was no internet, I said you gotta fax me something now. And it was like, they, they never got back to me. So I went home and um, designed a, a very powerful character called the External. And because it was Gambit, I made a Creole from that part of the world. And that was the only character I created from scratch for the series. I created the character. Later on, you know, go fast forward about six months, you know, it's a white guy. So it's like, I, guys didn't tell me, so I couldn't put it in the show. But I made, that was like a powerful a villainous that we had for the show. Well, I love that, Billy. It's one of my favorite moments of that episode where she's here like, the tide is false. (laughs) (laughs) And she's so over the top and wonderful with it. Michelle, I want to throw that question to you, though, about cons, especially during a pandemic where we're missing cons. Is there a con that you're very excited to go back to? And do you have a very fond memory or a great experience at a certain con? I feel like every con is, it's so different. Like you have, you have very different experiences at like the high profile cons, like San Diego versus like the smaller local ones. Like here we have Long Beach Comic Expo, um, Pasadena Comic Con. Smaller ones I like because I can meet up with all my LA local peeps. Like it's an hour drive for all of us, no matter where we are. Yeah. Um, it's it's like your reunion time where you get to see, you know, artists, writers, cosplayers, like everybody. There's always certain booths I will go by and visit and talk to them for hours and just catch up. With the bigger cons, I I like the meetups because sometimes we can plan ahead where we're hey, let's do like, let's do like some X-Men or let's do um, like another, another group or something. Uh, I really liked the last San Diego Comic Con. Um, I showed up as Dazzler and my husband did to his infamous Shatterstar. (laughs) And so many people loved it. They were like, oh my God, is that Dazzler? Is that Shatterstar? And they kind of like, like, okay, where's my <laughs> shot? Like, where, where's he? Yeah. yeah. And it, it's fun because then you meet up with other cosplayers and then you can have like a whole team of X-Men and not even realize it. Like it's <laughs> happy circumstance. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Okay. My last question for both of you. Favorite 90s X-Men costume and larry we're gonna start with you <laughs> a favorite costume favorite um, 90s x-men costume 
um, I have to go with the Jim Lee version of, of Cyclops because that was a very, very good asymm asymmetrical design with it going across with the symbol here. Yes. I really like that that version of it because it um, for me also I I was able to turn the X into like a um, a communicator, so you could just press it like Star Trek and just communicate with another character someplace else like this. Jean didn't need one because she could just go like this, hum hum hum, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm sorry. Can you do your Jean impersonation one more time? <laughs> hum hum hum. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, uh, everybody else had an X somewhere on their costume, so they could just touch it, or, or you know, yeah, basically touch it to have it, and I had it light up sometimes. Yeah, Storm yeah. had the on the shoulder yeah, pads. Had, yeah, so she could touch one and communicate and stuff like that. Because a lot of times in these shows, the writers are right. Character, one character's here, one character's over there, and suddenly they have a radio, and it's like, where the hell did the radio come from? So. In order to toss that out, I told the writers, look, we're going to make this the radio. They press, talk, press, talk. And it just made everything easier for the, for the staging. So I didn't have to worry about designing a new radio. Where the hell did it come from? You know, that kind of stuff. So I, I like um, those designs. I mean, I, I like the Jane Gray design, too. I, I, I still have a fondness for the original, you know, the, the green costume. Because I grew up with that as in the '60s, but both of those are, are, you know, her costume, your costume, and 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 Cyclops are really good designs. I love that you just said your costume to Michelle, because <laughs> you are the best Jean costume. Oh, yeah, thank you. She looks. I mean, you're perfect as it. Oh, major props to my mom though for bringing that to life because that was very hard. I, I wish I would have known about Mama Waffle and like I would have brought her in here to Kiki with us. <laughs> like, oh, maybe next time we could talk like cosplay uh, making. Yeah, yeah. Like, we've all had like even my brothers for Halloween costumes. We've all had very um, exquisite requests of our costumes. So she's she's made a lot of a lot of them in her love that so That's michelle true. your favorite 90s x-men costume this is so hard um, <laughs> i mean i would say jean but i feel like rogue's costume is just like more yeah. i don't know it's just like more balanced like she's got a little jacket if she gets too hot she can just take it off her mm -hmm. belt sits a lot nicer and has pockets <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> which is very um helpful at cons <laughs> yeah <laughs> she doesn't have any pockets she just has like her little like thigh pads right i think i think it's gonna be rogue for me and her her boots are pretty um oh i love rogues sexy. yeah they are all right guys Thank you guys so much, Michelle. Thank you for talking Generation X with me and then surprising you with the one <laughs> and only Larry Houston. Before we go, where can fans connect with you all? Larry, where can fans uh, DM you or follow along? I'm on Twitter now, so I'm a, I'm a X-Men director. That's how you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm on um, Instagram. <laughs> 
TikTok. Larry, I think it's uh, Larry Toons 54, if I remember right. And uh, the website, larry-houston.com. Uh, yeah. For, yeah. For emails or stuff like that. Yeah, I am most certainly, I can't do TikTok. I'm never going to be on TikTok. No, <laughs> I can't dance. I can't do anything. Yeah, that's a young people's place. Yeah, that's I just, I can't keep up. I can't. I can't. Michelle, we know you're not on TikTok, but where, <laughs> <laughs> where else can people find you? Oh, my superhero life is only on Instagram at Michelle Waffle O. Uh, or you can just search for Michelle Waffle. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, All right guys. Well, thank you for joining. And as always, I am the Uncanny Dayspring signing off. <laughs>